As we, we look at Psalm 23 this morning, uh, I'm, I'm quite confident that most of you are f- fairly familiar excuse me, with uh, Psalm 23. Uh, you, you've heard it quite a bit. Uh, uh, in, in fact, I, I bet a lot of y'all have it memorized, which is, which is just awesome. And if you haven't memorized any of the Psalms, Definitely look at Psalm 23, memorize Psalm 23, memorize Psalm 23. It is so good. Chances are we have heard this, uh, we have heard this, we have heard this Psalm uh, preached, uh, especially at funerals. We've heard this Psalm preached at, uh, at funerals. Uh, but I believe that it's meant for so much more for us than just uh, than just at uh, funerals. It's meant as an encouragement to us this morning and for a confident, assured hope, especially in a follow-up to last week's message from Psalm 42, which was a psalm of great lament. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Um and I told you last week that that God has given us psalms like that because uh, our lives can be messy. Living in a fallen world is messy. Um, and the scriptures are mercifully honest to that messiness and where our souls and our hearts that are susceptible to being cast down. But he tells us in that same verse, verse 5 and verse 11 in Psalm 42, Hoping God, for again I shall praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 23 has a lot to do with Psalm 20 or Psalm 42. Because Psalm 23 is kind of a, a pinpointing of those prescriptions that we heard uh, last week about being cast down. To look to the Lord, to remember the Lord, to remember good doctrine, remember the works and the ways of our God. And Psalm 23 uh, puts it as uh, my shepherd, that he looks to the good shepherd who is and who has always been leading him and who has always been leading us, has been leading you. So finding joy in the good shepherd, we delight, we enjoy him because the good shepherd delights in you and he delights in me. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as as we look to Psalm 23. So go ahead and look to your scriptures and look at Psalm 23 uh, this morning. And we're going to read it together, and since everybody's pretty much muted, why don't you read that out loud together since, uh, since, uh, uh, since it's just you, and read it out loud with me, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is the word of the Lord. And may his Holy Spirit move in our hearts to hear and see his holy, inspired, and inerrant word for his glory and our joy. Amen. Isn't Psalm 23 just wonderful? And, and, and I don't mean any I don't mean any disrespect or any kind of belittling to anyone. But isn't it good to read Psalm 23 not in the context of a funeral? And, and, and again, completely, completely appropriate and, and so encouraging to those who are grieving at funerals. I have preached Psalm 23 at a, at a, at a, at a funeral. Uh, but however, this psalm is more than just for the grieving soul for the grieving heart at a funeral, but it is for all of God's people who are tempted to fear or who will be tempted to fear, who are tempted to lose confidence in God's sovereign care over them or or are tempted to doubt in the love of their God in the midst of, su- of suffering, that he is not really shepherding them there with care and with love. You see, David wrote this psalm most likely when he was younger. And, and more specifically, when he was in the service of King Saul. But when King Saul was hunting him down to kill him because he was jealous of David, David was on the run in fear of his life daily. And he literally was in the valley of the shadow of death every day. And what's amazing As much as David is looking to the Lord, his shepherd, and he's equating this idea of the the same notion of when he was a shepherd, he is delighting in the Lord when he is in the valley of the shadow of of death. He's delighting in him. And what's even more amazing than that is when we read Psalm 23, we read Psalm 23 through the lenses of the New Testament. And when we do that, it magnifies the meaning of this, of this passage because we, under, we understand as the church of Christ, we have more understanding, we have more clarity and beauty in Psalm 23 than David ever did. We all know that David was a shepherd. And here he is exclaiming that the Lord is his shepherd. David was a real shepherd of real flocks, of real sheep. And for him to say that the Lord was his, is his shepherd, it's really close to him. But brothers and sisters, as we read this text, how much more has those who've been bought by the blood of the lamb, how much more does it hit close to home? That we see our Lord, our heavenly father, his loving care, his provision, and his guidance and protection all of our days. So we we like to use the big terms like sovereignty and omnipotence and ordained and providence. We use those terms a lot and they're gloriously beautiful words. But I think sometimes in the midst of those words, we forget about in them 
they mean God's providential care for his people. His providential guidance and love in his shepherding hand over our lives. And that his providence and his love and his care is is not divorced from each other. They're not separate. His shepherding is all done in love. His grace and mercy toward us is not begrudging, but it is fatherly. It is like a shepherd filled with steadfast love. So this morning as we look to Psalm 23, I want to I want to show you five places in Psalm 23 in five ways where we can find joy in the good shepherd and delight in him. The first of those is this. Our shepherd will provide for us. Our shepherd will provide for us. In fact, that is the that is almost like the direct meaning of what a shepherd does. It's exactly what a shepherd does. Look at verse 1 and 2. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And so in in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not uh, want is setting up for us the list of provisions that the shepherd provides that the shepherd provides, that the Lord provides, that the good shepherd provides, how, how God as our good shepherd provides for and how he cares for his people. He is setting up for us the provisions of how he does that and what he does. And so the key to understanding when he says, I shall not want, even though he is in the valley of the shadow of death, and when he says, I shall not want, or I truly have no need, is understanding that the good shepherd will always provide for me in all that we will ever need and more. That's the key of understanding to, to I shall not want. The, the apostle Paul taps right into that same understanding and that same meaning in Philippians 4. He speaks of, of how in no matter his situation, in need or in plenty, when he is brought low or when he is abounding, he says not only that I am speaking of being in need or, have I, or, I, or I have learned in what situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see there, he makes the connection of how he gets to where I am content, how I am satisfied. I have no want because it's in him and that the Lord will always provide even in need and even in want. What is generally the greatest fear or stress or anxiety producer and even the most the greatest destroyer of relationships it's always because of health or money or the fear of losing those things and and those things are 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 real those things can be can be lost and the emotion of those things are real what paul is saying is that even when he is going hungry that is real hunger is real. It's a real feeling. 
It's a real physical consequence. And those things can be hard to walk through. It's not that David never feared. It's not that that Paul wasn't anxious or that Paul knew that he had needs. But underneath those fears, underneath that stress, underneath that anxiety is a, a sure confidence in the good shepherd. In my Lord, I shall not want. And it's, again, the, the preaching to yourself, the reminding yourself of those things of my good shepherd, my Lord, in whom I shall not want. Matthew 6, Jesus lays this out for us as well. He says in Matthew 6, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, whatever you will eat or whatever you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, it is alive, isn't it, right now? And tomorrow it is thrown into the oven of the sun of South Georgia. Will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. But your heavenly Father, good shepherd, your shepherd, knows what you need them all. He knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Is, is, is this not the point in a sense of Psalm 23 verse 1, where he's directing us to the shepherd who loves us as a heavenly father who will provide for us. And, and, and Jesus juxtaposes creation and says, if, if the Lord will, will provide creation in such ways and in such marvelous, splendid, most beautiful ways that nothing can re- uh, replicate, how much more will your heavenly father provide for you? Therefore, seek the kingdom of God. Jesus says, therefore, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. He will provide, as Psalm 23 says for us, he will provide rest in the green pastures and peace beside still waters. And that's where anxiety and fear for tomorrow go to subside. That's where Paul says, I have learned to be content. And why? Because he founds rest beside still waters of the shepherd who has led him to those green pastures and beside still waters. The Lord is my shepherd and he is our provider because every good gift and every perfect gift is from above 
coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due its change, James 1.17. And that means this, that means that he, that, that he always, that he is always the same. He is never wavering in his provision for us. Yes, it may feel lacking. It may feel shallow. It may feel like things are getting stretched. But yet the Lord will never waver in his provision for us. We should look to him. So first, our shepherd is our provider. Second, our shepherd will guide us. Look at verse 3. Our shepherd will guide us. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So where sin and temptation and fear and anxiety and circumstances of life that tempts our souls to fail, you see the soul there in verse 3? To fail, to be cast down like we see in Psalm 42. The source of our restoration of our cast down souls is only where? Where's the source of that restoration? It's in our shepherd. It's in our Lord. Because he leads us beside still waters. You see, when sheep go their own way and, they're, and, and they attempt to find better grass or, or, or better waters, it never goes well. It doesn't go well, does it? It doesn't go well for me. It, it, it only gives me or it gives the sheep or any of y'all, it only gives a, tepor- a temporary relief, a, a sort of uh, a temporary ceasefire that makes me feel better in my flesh or maybe even in my mind thinking that this is the place where I need to find rest or this is the place where I need to find safety and, and comfort. But it's always at the, at the expense of, of long-term joy. It's, it's kind of like Jonah. The, the worm always eats the shade. When we want the temporary relief, it always eats the shade. The, our, our relief, our restoration is always in the shepherd. It's in the Lord. He is the restorer of our soul because he leads us in paths of righteousness. He leads us to the path of righteousness. So where do we find rest? We find rest beside still waters and green pastures, which is what? Is in the righteousness of Christ. And that's where our Lord is always directing us to his righteousness. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, he is leading us to a path of righteousness that is found only in Christ. We have to understand that our God, our Lord, our shepherd, our heavenly father is always leading us. He is always guiding us to paths of righteousness. And so he will care for our souls. Romans 8:28 another very familiar passage and we know I mean that's like walking on concrete I know this concrete's going to hold me and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose so if he has called us for for him and for his purposes then all things will work together for are good. It's like what Jesus says, if how much more would the heavenly Father per- give to those who love him? 
Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So for all of eternity, it is by his sovereign, ordained design that he will guide and provide for every one of our needs. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. For those who are in Christ Jesus, our Father, He has adopted us and he has shown in our adoption, in our justification, his providential care that all for our good, according to his purposes, according to his purposes. That's just exactly what Psalm 23 verse verse three says. What is it? He restores my soul, leads me into paths of righteousness for his namesake, for his Glory, sola deo, gloria, for his glory, for his namesake. Brothers and sisters, your providential care, the guidance by our shepherd, his provision for all of your needs is not opposed to his glory. In fact, it works together for his glory. Your joy and your care is for his glory, for his namesake. This is how the Lord guides us. But in what ways particularly has he guided us? How is he guiding us in these days, particularly now? Well, he guides us by his Holy Spirit. He guides us by his Holy Spirit. He has given those who are in Christ his Holy Spirit to indwell us. And his Holy Spirit testifies to us our justification that we are in Christ Jesus telling us you are a child of God. This is Romans 8. I believe I read it last week. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us before the Father when we cannot pray. Romans 7. In John 16, Jesus lays out for us the work of the role of the Holy Spirit. He says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. He is guiding you in the path of righteousness by convicting us of sin concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Man, that's the stern warning of judgment is leading us to paths of righteousness concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I can go to the father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judge verse 13 when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth the Holy Spirit is guiding us in truth he's guiding us in truth when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak his own on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father is mine is mine. Therefore I say, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us in paths of righteousness to the glory of God for his namesake. He leads us in truth for his glory. And this is what's so goofy about, um, so goofy about the, uh, that, uh, man, that word just kind of eluded me, that, that really high 
Pentecostal movement. And they 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 uh, over accentuate accentuate the the what the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit plays a background, a very important role, but a background to give Christ the glory. Christ receives the glory. If Christ isn't receiving the glory, then it is not of God and it's not of the Holy Spirit. It brings Christ glory. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you in truth? That he is shepherding you through his Holy Spirit on paths of righteousness to exalt Christ and to make much of him? How does the Holy Spirit guide us? He guides us in truth. He guides us in the word of God. He guides us in, in, in the word of God. He guides us to help us to understand the scripture. That's how we come under a conviction of, of righteousness and judgment. It's through the preaching and the teaching of the, of the word of God. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be a complete equipped for every good work. God is guiding us through the word of God. And what a gift he has given us in the scriptures. He has given us the preached word of God, the proclaimed word of God, the teaching of the word of God by the, by the gifts to the church, by the elders. He gives each other to build one another up in the word of God. We ourselves are being built up in the word when we study it and we read it ourselves depending upon the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us by the word of God. Oh, how our shepherd is guiding us and leading us in these days. Third, our shepherd will protect us. In verse four, our shepherd will protect us. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this is an allusion back to the shepherd. Back to the, to, the, to the role of the shepherd who's not only feeding and watering the sheep, but also one who is guarding the sheep and protecting the sheep from the predator and thieves that come amongst the sheep to hurt the sheep, to destroy the sheep, or to carry the sheep uh, away. The shadow of death is, is, is quite clear. We, we all know what this means. The valley of the shadow of death, it, it, it's almost those, it's like this, those worst moments of our lives. It's those long periods of hardship. It's the reality of, the, of death shadow that can always or that's always around us. When we're at funerals, I think this is why this passage alludes so much to, to those who are at funeral, because it seems like they're, we're grieving in, in the valley of the, of the shadow of death. And yet, however, as bad as that valley is and how dark that shadow has, is and how long that shadow has been casted over us, the psalmist says, I will fear no evil. And why? Because you are with me. Because I have my shepherd. Why do sheep sleep calmly at night as if there's no dangers and the shepherd stays up all night because there are dangers? 
because I fear no evil because he is with me. His protection is with me. His rod and his staff is all around me. His, his power, his attributes are the source of our comforts. What great joy is produced in all of our hearts when we speak of the sovereignty of our God. It's like a warm blanket of protection around us, isn't it? That no matter what comes our way, we can trust in our Lord. That he has not only brought us to these places, but that he will shepherd us through them. Our shepherd protects us, and he gives us confidence in the shadow of death. One of the great examples that I thought of this week was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from Daniel, who would not bow down and and only worship Nebuchadnezzar as a god. And because of that, they were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. You, you remember that story. And the king asked them, King, king Neb asked them before they were thrown in, he said, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Asking them, who's going to save you if it's not me, the God that can save you? And this is how they answered. Our God whom we serve, is able to deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. At that moment, they were in the largest shadow of death. But their only hope in life and death was not their own, but belonged to the Lord. Therefore, I shall fear no evil. You see, our protection is not just about the preserving of our life, because that's what that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said that there. It's not, it's not just if, if the Lord saves us or if he doesn't, we're still safe with him. You see, our protection is not just about the, the persevering of our life, the preserving of our life here and now, which, by the way, the Lord often does, and we should pray for those things. And he does. But our protection and our perseverance for all eternity, he has provided. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not die that day. God protected them. In fact, the angel of the Lord, i.e. Jesus Christ, protected them that day. And that same... Jesus Christ would die a much would die much later so that all of his own would be pers- would persevere not from the fires and trials of life but from the fires of eternal righteous wrath that he bore the lord has protected us the lord has provided his protection over his people and will shepherd us through those days. In Jude, at the end of, of, of Jude, it closes out with a, with a doxology. It says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, 
dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. His protection over us has a goal in mind. That end goal is to persevere and to preserve his own to the end so that in Christ we will be presented blameless before him for his glory, for his namesake, and for our joy. He will not fail you. He will not fail to protect you even in the valley of the shadow of death because you are his. And if you are his, even in the valley, you could say, I will fear no evil. Fourth, our shepherd delights in his own. Fourth, our shepherd delights in in his own. Look at verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's worship in this passage here, isn't there? There's delight in this passage. There is, there's enjoyment in this passage. And one of the reasons is, is because there's a shift here. There's a shift where the Lord almost turns from being the shepherd to being a host of a grand feast or a grand dinner that wants to uh, share a fellowship meal with his sheep. He prepares an extravagant meal. You can see it in the language. He prepares an extravagant meal for for his people. And for us, through the lenses of the New Testament, this is, this is kind of pointing us to the Lord's Supper where our Lord shares and hosts a meal of remembrance of, of grace, a meal of extravagant grace and mercy that's going to be uh, presented to us through the cross. And then ultimately we see it as it proclaims not only his death, but also in his return, which then will be fulfilled in the marriage supper of the Lamb. This meal will be in the presence of our enemies. That's amazing. Where the honored guests are anointed with oil and and overwhelmed by extravagance. Does the grace of God overwhelm your soul? Does it flood your your soul and your heart with joy? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. But surely the goodness and mercy of our Lord, which is the heart of our God, the very heart of our Father, of our Shepherd that He has toward us, His goodness and His mercy, it's pointing to His steadfast love for His people. The Lord proclaimed this to, to Moses in Exodus uh, 34 when, when Moses had to go back up to the, to the mountain and, and receive the tablets again because he come back down the mountain and he sees the, the sin of his people. And it says this, this is what the Lord says to Moses. He says, the Lord, the Lord, 
a merciful, a, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, for, for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting their iniquity of their fathers on their children and their children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Do you see what the point is in all that? The point is this, is that those who are undeserved have received love and have received mercy and have received goodness and have received grace and undeserved grace, what we call sovereign grace, that God has toward his people, the sheep of his pasture. What does all this mean? Well, it means exactly what I told you in the, the fourth, right? The Lord delights in his people. The Lord delights in his sheep. He does not delight in us just in eternity, but he delights in us now. He delights in us even in the valley of the shadow of death. And he loves you and he shows us overwhelming mercy and goodness and grace for all the days of our life or forevermore. And he does this for his name's sake. And this shows us the character and the nature of our shepherd, our good shepherd, that he delights in us. And that we can delight in him. We can delight in his character. He is the righteous judge. But he is also the loving father. Who we can. He is our righteous judge. We know that. But he is also our loving father. That we can hang out with. That loves us. That loves to, to, to play ball with you. That loves to 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 do things with and do a puzzle with and and make dinner for you. He's he's that kind of father. He's not just the judge. No one wants to play with the judge. Nobody wants to play ball with the judge. Nobody wants to hang out with the judge. But we want to hang out with the loving father who delights in their children. And he is our shepherd that delights, that prepares for us an over-extravagant meal of grace toward us. And each time we take the Lord's Supper together, brothers and sisters, we are remembering that meal that he has given to us in grace. He delights and he smiles and takes joy and love in his children, in his own. He knows our faults and he knows our failures, but he still loves us. He sent his son. That is the testimony of his love the strength of his love, the the depth of his love, that he sent his son. Our shepherd delights in us. Wow. As a mom delights in her own children, the Lord delights in us. As a father delights in his children, The Lord perfectly delights in us. Fifth, and lastly, our shepherd has laid down his life 
for his own. This shepherd, our shepherd, who is providing and guiding and protecting and delighting in us, has accomplished this love perfectly for sinners through the Lamb who laid down his life, who has laid down his life, and who is in himself our good shepherd. I know we've been looking at Psalm 23, but we have to look at John chapter 10. So turn over to John chapter 10. And I want you to see this from from Jesus' words. In John chapter 10, as he speaks of himself as being our shepherd. And this this is what magnifies Psalm 23 for us this morning even more. John chapter 10. Verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So there's a, there's a, a mark here right there in the, in the beginning of, of our shepherd who leads us, that if you are his sheep, then you know his voice and we will follow him, right? Again, why? The Holy Spirit is guiding us in, in, in truth. And when the sheep or the shepherd speaks, his sheep will, will follow. And when strangers speak, we won't follow him, but we will follow, um, we will follow our shepherd. Look to verse 7. So Jesus again says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Green pastures besides still waters. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd. Who doesn't own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. 
this charge I have received from my father. So, so again, we hear his voice. We will come to him because he is our, our, our shepherd. There are thieves and there are, are robbers that are trying to, that have come before, that have tried to lead them astray. But the, but the sheep, the true sheep have been follow, will follow his uh, voice. And our life that we have in our sheep, that we will find, or in our shepherd, that we find green pastures and beside still waters, we will find life and we will find it uh, abundantly. But what else do we see about this shepherd? The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's not like the hired hand. He's not like the hired hand who, who's there, but when in the midst of a little bit of trouble, he flees and runs. No, our shepherd, our good shepherd, protects us and guides us. Our shepherd, our good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. And we know that our shepherd, Jesus Christ, has laid down his life on the cross. He has laid down his life on the cross for his people. Jesus is our good shepherd. Our shepherd knows his own and his sheep know him. He willingly laid down his life for his own. He's not like anyone else. He has not abandoned the work, but he has been faithful and loving and providing and guiding of his own to pastures. He's shepherding. He's still drawing his own to himself. He's still drawing his elect to himself. Those of that flock hear his voice and come to him. Have you heard that voice? Have you come to him? Have you heard the voice of the shepherd? Do you know the voice of the shepherd calling? Have you come to him? Brothers and sisters, as we close this morning, I, I hope that you find great joy this morning in our good shepherd. In Jesus Christ, who has provided for us far more abundantly than all that we can ask or that we can think of, who has guided us from the valley of the shadow of eternal death and into an eternal home as sons with an imperishable inheritance. He who has protected us to keep you from stumbling and will present you blameless in the presence of his glory with great joy. And he who delights in his own because he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Brothers and sisters, that is our good shepherd who is guiding us, who is protecting us, who has provided for us, who delights in us, and who has laid down his life for us. That when we hear his voice, that we would, have, we would come to him and that we would be saved and we would have life and life abundant. So I pray that you will delight more in him. Let your affections be for him, for our good shepherd this morning. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful again for your kindness 
that you have shown to us in this in the word of God. Even now, guiding us and leading us by your spirit in your scriptures that we may see the beauty and worth of our heavenly father and our savior Jesus Christ, that he would receive all the glory and all the praise. Thank you for being our shepherd. Thank you for providing for us that we shall not want. Thank you for guiding us through your Holy Spirit and through the word of God. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you, O Father, for delighting us that my affections would be stirred up to delight in you. Thank you for laying down your life for us that we see where Psalm 23 is ultimately fulfilled in the Savior Jesus Christ, our good shepherd who has laid down his life for sheep, for his people. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for justifying us. Thank you for one day glorifying us and may you receive all the glory in these things. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.